You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. This is uh, the How to Win podcast, and I want to talk today about the divide between black Christians and white Christians in America. We just, I, we just come out of a historic election. It was historic. A historic turnout, historic energy, historic excitement, historic participation. It was historic. Uh, President-elect Joe Biden received over 70 Four million votes. President Donald Trump received approximately 70 million votes. So we're talking about above 140 million votes. Now, we know that it, that represents a divided country. The country is divided. It is it is divided. But um, the church shouldn't be divided. But the church is divided. Approximately 90% of black Christians voted for Joe Biden. Approximately 80%, above 80% of white Christians voted for Donald Trump. What's unfortunate is it's not strange that the world and America is divided, but what is strange is that the church is divided along racial lines. And I want to I want to talk about that today. And I have my iPad here, and I want you to send in comments, send in questions, and at the end, we'll, we'll get to it. I had a person that I highly esteem, a theologian that I talked with uh, the other day, and he was frustrated at what's going on in our country. I had a dear pastor friend of mine text me and ask me, well, what what's this divide along racial lines among Christians and sometimes even in the same movement. And I told him that uh, I didn't know. But as I began to meditate on it, the Spirit of God, I believe, led me, and you can judge it, I believe the Spirit of God led me to talk about it. I don't know if I have all the answers, but I want to talk about it the divide between black Christians and white Christians in America. Now, let's, let's begin with some proof texts, and let's talk about division for a moment. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, in the authorized King James Version, it says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. 
Well, that's a principle that, in, that anything that is divided, it will not succeed. It will not stand. And that's even true in the church. Now, in 1 Corinthians verse one, chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, the A part of the verse, 1 Corinthians 1, 12 through 13, it says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Then Paul asked the question, is Christ divided? And I think that's what God is challenging the church today, and he's asking us, is Christ divided? The problem in the church at Corinth was they had deified human leaders. We will always have problems and instability and confusion when we deify human leaders, whether it be Donald Trump, whether it be Joe Biden. The moment we began to deify human leaders, and that's exactly what they was doing in the Corinthian church. Some of them were saying, listen, I'm behind Paul. I'm, fo I'm following Paul. I voted for Paul. And then others were saying, but Apollos is a great teacher, so I voted for Apollos, and, and I believe God, Apollos is God's man. And then others said, well, now listen, Peter was, uh, the, he was uh, the leader of the 12 apostles, so I voted for Cephas, I voted for Peter. You know, he's God's man. They were deifying human leaders. And unfortunately, the church has fallen to the point where we're deifying leaders. We're looking to leaders to be the answer. Now, we know God uses leaders, but we're looking to human leaders, and we're banking everything, our homes and our land and our property and our possession. We're banking everything on human leaders. So before I get into the meat of what I'm going to say today, I want to say I think the problem was human deification, but I think the answer is simple. Let's just put Jesus back on the throne. Let's just put Jesus back on the throne. Let's allow him to be the head. Let's allow him to be the one we're looking to. He's going to be, he's our savior. He's the one. Now, in my book, Muted Voice, and I'm going to say something about it again at the end because uh, I'm releasing it today, and there's some people I want to acknowledge uh, at the end today. In my book, Muted Voice, chapter 5, page 69, under the section, Christianity as a brand is not the answer, I said several things, and I want to remind you of some of the things that I said in my book. I said, branded Christianity embraces some parts of the Bible and excludes and edits others' parts of the Bible. I said believers can register under any party affiliation they choose. They're led to connect with. I said they can, Christians, 
can even be and should be active in politics. However, and I said this in my book, you'll see it on page 69, I said this, they, referring to Christians, whether they're black Christians, white Christians, they should not identify Christianity or the church with a political party. In identifying the church and Christianity with a political party is inherently divisive. Now, that's what I said in my book. That's where we are now. We got black Christians historically, traditionally, currently voted Democratic, the Democratic Party. White Christians voted the Republican Party. Now, we know that there's some people kind of crossed over. And I said this, Jesus, and I repeat it, is not a Republican. Jesus is not a Democrat. No party or candidate is right on all issues and beliefs of Christian values. No party, Republican or Democrat, embraces everything that the Bible communicates as God's will and God's plan. <clears throat> branded Christianity, and I'm just quoting from my book now, branded Christianity leads to selective mutism. Selective mutism. Selective mutism is a severe anxiety disorder that prevents people from speaking in certain settings and speaking not and not speaking in other settings. A person with selective mutism, for whatever reason, has the capacity to speak in certain settings and not be able to speak in other social settings. Now, when I think about what we're experiencing now, I know it's disappointing to God because I sense in my spirit that he's disappointed uh, in the division in the church between black Christians and white Christians because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, the B part, it says, and that there be no divisions among you that there be, 1 Corinthians 1.10, that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. So unity is possible. Unity is possible. When I think about black Christians in America, white Christians in America, and the division, I'm reminded of all the couples that I have counsel in marriage sessions. Couples that are struggling in their marriages, and uh, when they come in the session, they have their position, they have their point, and I allow them to share their point, share their position, and I tell the other uh, partner to be quiet and listen, and yet, for whatever reason, they both give their positions, and usually, initially, they're not listening to the other person's position. They're focused on their position, and so they're divided. Now, 
the good thing and the good report is that most of the couples that I counsel in marriage come to a position of resolve and reconciliation. However, there are some couples who never reconcile, never resolve their differences, and they end up going their separate way. Now, that's where the Christians are in the church today. Divided racially along political lines. So what I want to do today, I want to talk to Republican Christians, and I want to talk to Democratic Christians. I want to talk to you that voted for Donald Trump and you that voted for Joe Biden. And when I talk to you, Republican Christian, Democratic Christian, white Christian, black Christian, when I talk to you, I want you to listen, and then I want to share it to the other party, you. I want to talk to white folk. I want to talk to black folk. I want to talk to the Republicans. I want to talk to the Democrats. So the scripture says in Psalms 89, verse 14, Psalms 89, verse 14, it says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Righteousness and justice, both of them. Righteousness, justice. Righteousness, justice is what establishes God's throne. He sits on a throne that is righteous and just. Okay. Let's talk to you Republican white Christians. It is my belief, and, and listen, I got my iPad if you're listening, and you said, well, that's, that's not how I feel then you can always send me a question or comment or whatever, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to it at the close. I want to talk to those of you, white Christians. Now, I know some racist crossover, but I'm talking to white and black Christians. White Christians, I know that you heavily voted Republican. You voted for Donald Trump. Now, I believe that the reason, one of the, the reasons, may not be the whole reason, one of the reasons you voted for Donald Trump and you vote for the Republican Party is because you believe that the Republican Party and or Donald Trump is in the best position to reflect your Christian values. And there are three primary values. I know that there, the, the Republican platform has a lot of the things like gun control and, and other things, taxes, uh, small government. I know that, but I'm talking to you as a Christian. I'm talking to you a Christian. There's a reason why you voted Republican Party, and there's a reason why you voted for Donald Trump. From a Christian perspective, I think there are three things you have embraced, and we just want to see is it biblical, okay? Israel, 
you be, believe that the Republican Party will support Israel, anti-gay marriage. You believe that the Republican Party reflects the traditional value of marriage. And then thirdly, and it, this is a watershed issue for you, you believe in the elimination of abortion. The abortion debate for you is a central component of the moral agenda that you have. And as a Christian, you're stacking it on that. Okay, now let's talk about it. And let's see, can we uh, reflect and, and rather than view the, the, rather than putting on the religious, the, the party glasses, the Republican glasses, we don't want to look through a Republican lens. We want to look through a Christian lens. So put on your Christian lens. And now while I'm talking to the Republicans, the white Christians, I want you black Christians to be listening. Don't inter don't jump in, don't fuss, just listen. Israel. The Bible says in Psalms 1 and 22, verse 16, it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. So we see scriptural validation for the support of Israel. And that's why you voted Republican, a part of the reason why you voted Republican. Now, I think if you are a black Christian and you value Christian values, you would have to agree that the support of Israel is a biblical value. Now, I want you black Christian to not not put on your party glasses, put on your Christian glasses, and put your pull, pull out your uh, party earplugs and listen from a biblical perspective. Let's talk about the Republicans' position, and we know it's not every person, but we're talking about a white Republican, and this is what a white Republican believe, that the Republican Party more reflects the traditional value of marriage. And the Republican Party, you believe, white Christian, has an anti-gay marriage agenda. So let's look at what God's order says. And let's see, do you have a point there? Let's look at what God's order says. In Genesis chapter uh, verse uh, chapter two, Genesis two twenty four. It says, "Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and his wife, and him and his wife shall be one flesh." Now you believe that that's speaking to a heterosexual relationship, because verse twenty two. Genesis 2, 22, it says, And the real which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought the woman to the man. So when we look at Scripture, we see that God's order, we're not talking about a party now. We're talking about God's order is marriage between a man and a female. 
Okay. So I think that you have some grounds uh, as it relates to your position, if that is your position, that the biblical order of marriage is male and female. Now, I think if you're listening, black Christian, you will have to agree. Now, you may have, there, there may be some other things you're thinking through, <clears throat> but you will have to agree that God's order is male and female. Okay. Now, some questions, there are some nuances that we're going to have to think about as Christians, though. In a democracy, how should, uh, how should, we treat gay people. How should we treat them if they are citizens of America and it is a democracy? Do gay people have rights as citizens? Now, we got to work through that because I think they do have some rights as citizens. Then as Christians, how do we relate to gay people? How do we, how do we, respond to them? Do, do our position of heterosexual marriage, and I believe that's God's order, does our position give us the right to be mean and unkind and ugly and all that? So we, we got to think through that. So let's talk about this watershed issue amongst white Christians and the Republican Party, and that is the elimination of abortion. So rather than thinking about abortion from a political standpoint, let's talk about abortion from a spiritual, biblical standpoint and answer the question, is abortion on demand biblical? In other words, can I, because I don't want to have this baby, I don't want to try to take care of this baby, I don't want the baby, do I, from a Christian standpoint, have a right to abort the baby? And that's what I mean by abortion on demand. I'm not talking about all the other scenarios. Well, let's see what the scripture says. In Job 10, verse 10 through 12, the King James Version, it says, you guarded, you guided my conception, and it, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what translation, but Job 10, 10 through 12, it says, you guided my conception and formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. And then in Jeremiah chapter 1, God says, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. So we see now that God in eternity past in the spirit realm creates life. He puts life in the female's womb in spirit form. 
because God says, I knew you before you were formed. So man is first, or the child is first, a spirit. That spirit being in the womb is clothed with flesh. So this is a life, a life that God has created, and it is a life that God has destined for purpose before the person was born. So if you are a Christian, what's your position on that? What's your position on that? I think that Republicans have a position that is biblical. I think white Christians have a position that is biblical. What do you think about that? Black Christian, what do you think about it from a Christian perspective? Now, I'm talking about abortion on demand. Now, listen at this. There is, uh, for those of you, for those of you that are so adamant about the composition of the Supreme Court, we, we have to get Republicans, conservatives on the Supreme Court so that we can eliminate Roe versus Wade. I'd like to give you a quick, some quick insights. There has been, and you can check it out, there has been a majority of Republican appointed justices on the Supreme Court, 49 listen to me carefully, 49 of the last 50 years. The long, the long exception was after Justice Scalia died, there was a 4-4 split on the court. Four Republicans, four Democrats, or four conservatives, four liberals, whatever you want to call it. Now, you have to also understand that Roe versus Wade that was passed in 1973 was decided by a 70 to 72 vote by a court that was 6 to, to 3 Republican majority. So the vote to legitimize or make abortion legal was enacted by a seven justice to two justices. Now listen, but the court was six Republicans to three Democrats, six conservatives, three liberals. Now, five of the Republicans, the conservative justice, on this 7-2 vote to legalize abortion, five of, the six, uh, five of the six Republicans voted to legalize abortion. So the issue with abortion is not just the Democrats versus the Republicans, because it was Republicans who enacted the votes and carried the votes to legalize abortion. I'll say it uh, briefly and then I'll go back. Roe versus Wade in 1973 was decided in a seven to two vote by a court 
that was a 63 majority Republican court. Five out of the six justices, five out of the uh, six Republicans that was on the court, 63, five out of the six of them voted to legalize abortions. So maybe when it comes to abortion, we may need to think about how, how what we can do at state level, because even having a conservative court doesn't mean that Roe versus Wade is going to be eliminated, uh, overturned. So maybe we need to start thinking from a state and a local level, what can we do to help pregnant parents? What, what, what can we get, do in terms of health care? What can we do in terms of, of reforming adoptions, uh, making it easier for people to, to adopt? What can we do at the state and local level? So here's what I'm saying. As a Christian, when you look at these three areas, Israel, traditional marriage, abortion, then you have to agree that the Republican white Christians have something to say that's valid from a biblical perspective. Now I know what all the white Christians are saying. The white Christians are saying, now see, there's no way in the world that you can be a true Christian and vote Democrat. Okay, wait, hold it. Now I want to talk, I want to talk uh, on behalf of the Democratic Party and blacks vote heavily Democratic. I believe now you can uh, you can um, you can write you can do whatever you want you can send me I got my iPad I see a question that's come up uh, a really good question and we're gonna get to it but the problem we're having is we're having black Christians point a finger at white Republican Christians and white Republican Christians are pointing a finger at Democrat Christians. And I am simply saying that there are Christians, saved Christians, that love Christ on both sides in both parties. And so we need to stop putting down people because of our position. Now, I believe that one of the, that, a part of the reason, or one of the reasons that blacks heavily vote Democrat and vote for Joe Biden is because they believe that the Democratic Party and Joe Biden would best reflect their values, biblical values, B biblical values, and I want to look at three areas. One of them you're going to be surprised that I bring up, but I want to look at three areas. I want to look at the justice, immigration, and racism. Justice, immigration, and racism. Now, let's see what the Bible has to say, because black Christians believe, and we're talking about Christians, we ain't talking about heathens now, so be quiet, white Republicans, be quiet. We're not talking about heathens. We're not talking about people who are not saved, don't love Jesus, okay? We're talking about Christians. They believe that God's heart 
includes justice too. Remember what Psalms 89, 14 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. So what is God's heart about justice? What, what does the Bible have to say about justice? Well, listen at what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 20, is in the Bible. New Living Translation says, let true justice prevail. True justice, not your justice, not white justice not Republican justice. It says, let true justice prevail so you may live and occupy the land that the Lord your God has given you. Now, this text, God is speaking to Israel, and he said, now, in order to enter into the land that God has purpose, then true justice must prevail. Now, we can transpose this to our contemporary world. There are many people, white Christians, who are believing that if we could just support Israel, if we could just um, make gay marriage illegal, if we can eliminate abortion, we're going to have revival. Oh, we're going to have a renewal in America. That's why, I'm, well, this text says that in order to enter the land, and in the historical context, it was the land of promise, then true justice had to prevail. So I submit to you that it's not just those issues, but God says if you're going to occupy the land, you have to have true justice. Now, Proverbs 31, verse 89, in the New Living Translation, Proverbs 31, verse 89 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, Speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. Now, notice God says that we're to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, the marginalized, the marginalized, the disenfranchised. He says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. He says, ensure justice for those that are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. That's Bible. That's Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Now, let's look at a, another text that you'll find very interesting. In Jeremiah 22, verse 16, Jeremiah 22, verse 16, it's in the New Living Translation, it says, He gave justice and help to the poor and needy, and everything went well with him. Now listen at that. He gave justice and help to the poor and Everything went well with him. Isn't that what it means to know me, saith the Lord? Isn't that what it means to know me, saith the Lord? Isn't that what it means to know me, saith the Lord? The Lord says to know me is to give justice and help to the poor, 
and he says it'll go well with you. Maybe, just maybe, things are not going well with us because we're not giving justice and help to the poor. So maybe if we try to improve the welfare situation, improve health care, college tuition, those that are being crushed by debt, if we will begin to major on helping those who are on the lower rung of the ladder, maybe it'll go well with us. And maybe that's really what it means to know God. Notice in this text, now listen, I validated your point. I validated your point, white Christians. I validate your points. Now I'm talking about don't have a mute voice now. Don't, don't have a selective mutism now. You can't be silent, and you cannot, you cannot talk about meritocracy. You cannot talk about individualism. We got to stand on our own two feet. That's socialism. That's Marxism. That's communism. No, it is not socialism. It's Bible. It is Bible. It is just as much Bible as Job 10 that talks about the right to life. It is just as much Bible as uh, a man leaving his, his father and mother and cleaving to his wife. It's just as much Bible. God says to help those that are downtrodden. So we have to ask the question, which party and which president can support this area? Well, we can't say it's the Republican Party. We can't say it's the Republican Party because the Republican Party calls that socialism. The Republican Party are afraid of people, black people being on welfare when most of the people on welfare are white people. Most of the people on welfare and most of the people getting food stamps are not black people, they're white people. Let's talk about immigration. Let's talk about immigration. What's God's heart on immigration? What's heart, God's heart? And, and what president and what party would reflect God's heart on immigration? What about all the people, all the kids now separated from their parents? What about all the kids behind cages who've been put behind cages? What is that? Is that the way we should treat immigrants? Is that the way we should treat immigrants? Which party, which president would best reflect that? Well, let's see what the scripture says. Leviticus, Exodus chapter 23, verse 9. Exodus 23, verse 9. It says, you must not oppress foreigners. You must not oppress foreigners. What about a ban on all Muslims? I mean, just everybody. We're going to ban all of them out of here. You must not oppress foreigners. You know what it's like to be a foreigner in the land of Egypt, God said to his people. You know what it's like. You know what it's like to be a foreigner. So don't oppress them. Don't mistreat them. 
sure, there should be documentation. There should be a legal process to immigration. But we have to treat them with dignity, too. Listen what the Bible says in Leviticus 19, verse 33 through 34. Leviticus 19, 33 through 34, the New Living Translation. It says, do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Love them as you love themselves. Love them, the Bible says. Now, what about extreme nationalism? It's America. It's America. It's America. Sure, we should love ourselves. Sure, we should take care of citizens that are in America. But what about helping other people? Aren't we supposed to? Haven't we been a country that helped other people? Aren't we supposed to be the melting pot? What about that? Which candidate, Joe Biden or Donald Trump, which candidate best reflect what these scriptures say? And then notice it says, love the foreigner as you love yourself. Sound like something Jesus said. Remember over in Luke chapter 10, Verses 25 through 37, remember an, an expert at the law came to Jesus and said, now, what must I do to have eternal life? And, and, and the expert in the law, the Jewish law says, you should love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, 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 and God said, well, that you, you've spoken well. Love your neighbor as yourself. But now remember in the context, Jesus is quoting over here in Leviticus by loving the neighbor as yourself. Love the foreigner as yourself. Love the foreigner as yourself. And then the, the, the religious leader said, well, who is my neighbor? And then he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And remember the neighbor was a despised person, the Samaritan, the, the priest and the Levite walked past a man who was wounded and left for dead and did nothing. But the despised Samaritan of a different race, a different culture, he showed what a neighbor is. Love that person. Love that person that's not in your circle, that's not of your cultural background. The Bible says love them as yourself. Now, which, which party best reflects that? Maybe black Christians are thinking deeper. And then there's the issue of what is this issue by immigration anyway? Could this be connected to racism, the next thing I'm going to talk about? Well, listen at this. Steve Phillips wrote a book in 2016. Steve Phillips wrote a book in 2016, and the book title was Brown is the New White. Brown is the New White. Brown is the New White. And in the book, he was talking about the shifting population. The demographics in the United States is shifting. And he said that 8,000, now this is what he said in the book, 8,000 people every day is being added to the U.S. population. 8,000 people every day is being added to the U.S. population. And he said 90% of those people are people of color. 
90% of the 8,000 people that are added to the U.S. every day is 90% people of color. In 1950, not that the, the U.S. population, 1950, was 90% white. But now, due to birth rate, death rate, the immigration factor, the white population can't keep up those percentages. So the white population is presently 62% of the American population. It is estimated that in the next 40 years, the United States of America will be a majority, minority country. In fact, in 2014, 2014, 2014, the 2014 school year was the first time in U.S. history that the majority of elementary and secondary school children were people of color. So we are becoming a majority-minority country. So does racism play into that? Does the fear play into that? Now, let's talk racism. Maybe black Christians voted for Joe Biden and voted for the Democratic Party because they believe that Joe Biden and the Democratic Party would best attack racism and promote racial equality. Well, is racial equality biblical? Because there are some people think that's not in the Bible. That's not biblical. That's not in the Bible. That's not biblical. What about racism? Now, I heard myself. I heard President Donald Trump say that there's no systemic racism in America. I heard myself say, Joe, Joe Biden say, that we're going to come against racism. Now, why should I vote as a black Christian for a party and a president that doesn't even believe that systemic racism exists? Wouldn't I vote for a president that reflect the values, but not just my values. Is it a biblical value? That's the point. Well, let's see what the scripture says. In Acts 10, 34, the common English Bible, it says God doesn't show partiality to one group over another. God doesn't show partiality over one group over another. James 2 and 9, the New Century Version, says, but if you treat one person as being more important than another, you're sinning. 
If you treat one person more important than another, you are sinning. James also says this in the Good News Transition. But if you are making distinctions between one man and another, you're guilty of sin. That's another translation. If you are making distinction between one man and another, you're guilty of sin. But, now listen at the Good News translation, James 2.9, but if you treat people according to their outward appearance, you're guilty of sin. You see, the Bible says that racism is a sin. It is a sin. So why should I vote for a party or a candidate that don't believe racism is a sin? All I'm trying to get you to see is there are issues, biblical issues, on both sides of the ledger. And I'll be honest with you. I'll be very honest with you now. The issue of racism have never been addressed fully repented of in America. America has never repented. The church has never dealt with racism in the church. The, the church has never dealt with it. Never dealt with it. Don't want to talk about it. In fact, I don't believe even understand it. And I also believe that many in the church don't want to talk about it, do not desire to talk about it, have no desire to talk about racism. It is not preached in white pulpits for the most part, and some it is, but for the most part, white pastors don't preach on it, don't talk on it, and it is a sin. Now, when you, when you, when you put on your biblical glasses you can see that the Bible has something to say that the Republicans embrace, but the Bible also has something to say that the Democrats embrace. Now, I want to I do two things, and I'm going to give a conclusion. I'm going to do two things, and then I'm going to give a conclusion. Which, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask, in fact, I'm going to ask you two questions. Which is more important for a leader? Which is more important? And I want you to think of President Trump, President-elect Joe Biden. I want you to think about them. I want you to think about them, okay? Which is more important for a leader? Which is more important for a leader? Is policy more important or character? Is policy more important or character? Now, here's what I was taught, but I know some people don't believe that anymore, but when I first came into the kingdom and entered into ministry, every conference, every leadership conference that I went to, and it, it built something on the inside of me, I was told that character mattered. 
That's what I was told. Character mattered, that it mattered. Who you are, integrity mattered, your words matter, keeping your words matter, how you handle people matter. I, I, that's what I heard, and I bought into it, and I still believe it. I still believe that character matters. I still believe that how you handle people, how you deal with people, that's an integrity issue, and I still believe that my words uh, should be honest. I still believe that. In fact, I was told that what you do was an extension of who you are, but that's not what I'm hearing today. I'm hearing, don't think about the, the character of the person. Think about the policy. Don't think about it. But which is more important, policy or character? Now, I'm going to surprise you with my answer. They're both important. They're both important. Policies are important. Character is important. So let's look at our candidates. When it comes to Donald Trump, character, does he have character? Integrity? Does he handle people right? Does he have great policies? When you look at Joe Biden, what about character? What about policies? You see, the problem that we're facing here is they both matter. The policies matter, but the character matters. So we're in a dilemma. So we have to stop pointing fingers at each other, and we have to stop saying, I'm right, I know I'm right. We have to put our profits aside and the words we've got and all that. I'm telling you, no party represents all of what God is saying. So we have to realize that we are in one family and we have to rise up above it because when we get in the nitty gritties of it, we ain't going to like black folk and we ain't going to like white folk and we're going to figure out why them black folk chosen this and why them white folk chosen this. And, and, and so we can't be salt and light because we're in the middle of it. So I'm going to ask you another question. Ask you another question. I want to ask you another question. I'm going to ask you another question. In the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, a certain man had two sons. The young son went out, took the inheritance, went out, and wasted his substance with riotous living. Ended up in the hall pen of life, came back, repented, came back to the father. The elder son stayed at home. When he found out that the younger son was back and they were celebrating, he was angry, he was stubborn, he wouldn't go in, he was judgmental, he was critical, he was self-righteous. He didn't even acknowledge his brother. He said, that your son, when he went out and wasted your money, he wasted your money out there with those prostitutes, and I've been here all this time working for you and did everything you asked me to do, and the dad said, now listen, everything you have I've given it to you because if you read the beginning of the parable, the, the scripture says that God divided the inheritance between both his sons. So you got a son out in, out, in the, out in the world, you got a son at home. Which was more righteous? Was the son out in the world more righteous or less righteous? Or was the son at home less righteous, more righteous? I'm going to surprise you. They were both unrighteous. They both had flaws. 
They both had weaknesses. Neither of them was as close to God as they thought they were. The guy at home, the elder brother at home, wasn't as close to God as he thought because he was angry and proud and had this, this attitude of self-righteousness and pride, and he was looking down, and then you got this ball over here. He's not doing right. So which party is best? Come on now. We're talking Christian stuff. We're talking Christian. We're talking about being a Christian. And I'll challenge anybody. They both got issues. Both parties got issues. And we are Christians. We are part of the same family. We got the same daddy. And we ought to act like we got the same daddy. Now, I'm going to conclude with something Tony Evans says, and then I'm going to look at your questions. I'm going to conclude something T Tony Evans said on one in his book, One is Embrace, and I thought it was very powerful, very powerful, and I'll close and I'll, I'll get to your question. You're giving me good questions. You're giving me good questions. Okay. Tony Evans said the white evangelical church is heavily Republican because it's, it's belief that the Republican Party best reflect the concerns of Christians for a moral awakening in our country. He said that the watershed issue for the Republican Party is abortion. He said the black church has given its dominant allegiance to the Democratic Party because of its belief that the Democratic Party is more sensitive to questions of social justice, racial equality, and the plight of the poor. The black church heart cry is primarily for comprehensive well-being of the babies born into the world, especially, especially in areas of employment, housing, medical care, equal access, and education, rather than the safety of the fetus in the womb. So he says that white Christians are concerned about the fetus in the womb and black Christians are concerned about the baby after the baby get out of the womb. So he says, what is the solution? It is an agenda, Tony Evans says, that include both issues because both issues are legitimate. He said the issues that the Republican Party bring forth, and we talk about these Christian-based issues, he said they are legitimate and have ample biblical support. He said the issues that the Democratic Party is raising, talking about biblical issues, are legitimate and have ample biblical support. So Tony Evans, who I think is a wonderful man of God, who can speak to racial equality probably as good or better than anybody I know. Listen what he says. It is an agenda that, what is the solution? It is an agenda that includes both issues because both issues are legitimate and have ample biblical support. In other words, leaders from both sides, Christians on one side, Christians on the other side, should establish a purpose that goes from the cradle to the grave, from the womb 
to the tomb. He calls it a whole life agenda. Such approach would unify the church around a central theme that both sides can agree on while at the same time allowing each side to focus on its primary concern. I think that's, I think that was powerful. I have some, some questions here and I, I trust that it bless you. And I, at the end, I want to, uh, again, reiterate by my book. It says, what if the young lady has been raped or a victim of incest? So it, is it right to have an abortion or if they have health issues? Well, see, that's why I said from a biblical standpoint, abortion on demand is not biblical. Now, what you have brought in are some nuances you brought in some what ifs. Well, now people are going to be have to be led and, and, and think about it. What if it's the difference between the life of the mother and the life of the child? And you have to choose. Well, that's a different, that's a whole different thing. Uh, what about rape? What about incest? Well, we got to think now because people have approached that differently too. Some people, I was reading about a person who was the product of a rape and now is in ministry. He was birthed out of a rape. But wasn't that child formed before that child entered the womb? And did God have a purpose for that child? So that's where the issues of adoptions and all those things come up in. And people have to follow their conviction and be led by the Spirit. But adoption, we got to bring that into place. We got to also bring into place if it's the child or the mother. What do we do? Those are different kinds of scenarios. And I basically were talking about abortion on demand. I just don't want to have no baby. I, don't, I, I want that. I want this in my life, okay? Because that kind of abortion can open you up to demonic oppression. And I've seen it and minister to people who had oppression as a result of certain things. But God forgive us for all that too. What do we have to, what do we have to support Israel? Well, the Bible tells us to support Israel. You know, Israel has been persecuted uh, throughout its history. And the Bible, and I gave you the proof text, says that those who support Israel uh, will be blessed. Uh, so there are legal things, there are political things we can do. We can pray for Israel. There are things that we can do because God has a plan for Israel. It is a biblical thing. Uh, what is uh, justice. Justice is fairness. Justice is equality. We've never truly had equality in our country. Never truly have equality. Uh, justice is <laughs> the truth of the matter is I was going to talk about it, but I was running out of time. I may talk about it next week if I get a chance. But in a simple fashion, it is equity. It is fairness. 
is not judging people based on the, the quality of, of the, the outward appearance, but it's more than that. It is getting in, looking at the systems and the structures that make it difficult for people of color to succeed. Judicial system, healthcare system, uh, policing, there are a lot of things, education, there are a lot of things that are not fair in our country. Um, this is good teaching. Thanks, Pastor Mike. This lesson will help believers discuss indifferences in the election results in a way we hope God will be pleased. My thoughts, and I didn't say it, I think rather than praying for our candidate to win, I think we should be praying for, um, I think we should be praying for um, Christians to not be divided. Uh, I think we should be praying for unity. We should be praying for oneness. You already voted, nothing you can do about the vote. I think we should be praying for unity in the body of Christ because we're supposed to lead, not the world. Uh, is selfishness and self-interest the main problem for both parties? In some cases, it is. Selfishness, self-interest. When you get to politics, when you get to politics, people tend to do what is expedient. And sometimes what is expedient is what is in my best interest. A lot of times people, we hear politicians, but this is not all politicians. They are good politicians, Christian politicians who want what's best for the people. But we all know that when people say the American people, I'm standing for the American people, it's for the American people. A lot of times it's not for the American people. It's for the party interest. It's for self-interest. It's for a lot of times it has nothing to do about the people. So are you saying that Biden was the better choice because he pandered to racism? Well, uh, it's interesting you would say pandered to racism. Pandered. Well, now listen, let me say this. And, and, uh, and I'll be perfectly frank with you. I'm not necessarily saying that President Trump uh, wasn't God choice four years ago? I'm not saying that. What if Joe Biden is God's church choice now? I'm not, I'm not saying he is, but what if he is? I mean, think about it. What if he's God's choice? What if on God's agenda now is racism? Pander to racism. Racism is a huge problem. In fact, I'm certain, based off that question, I'm certain that I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about and try to give you an understanding of the racial issue in, in, our, in our country. We could say the same thing. What if Donald Trump was pandering to racism? So I'm not saying any of it. I am trying to pull the Christians out of the muck of it. We are fighting each other, and we're divided when we're supposed to be looking down on it. We're not supposed to be walking around talking, I'm a Republican, and I'm a Democrat. We should be walking around talking about Jesus. I'm saying that Jesus is not on the throne, but I'm, I, I appreciate that question. Any question is a good one. What about him being... What about him being for same-sex marriage and homosexuality? An entire nation was destroyed for that in the Bible. Okay. Okay. 
go back and listen to what I said, because what you are talking about is same-sex marriage. I talked about that. You say a whole nation. A whole, a whole ethnic group was enslaved and have been dealt with for 350 years because of racism. What about the 350 years? See, you think, based on that question, that all God is concerned about is homosexuality and marriage. God is concerned about racism, too. He is concerned. He told me it needs to be dealt with. We are not, we, it's not just homosexuality that's causing America to struggle. America is struggling because it won't deal with racism. And anytime the issue of racism come up, it's rioting, it's looting, it's them folk out there. I want you to listen to me next week, please, because th this question is very important. Because that's what causing us to be divided as a... That, that, you know, it destroyed a whole nation. He well, the racism destroys too. Think about it. Hitler killed millions of Jews. Millions, millions, millions incinerated them, hung them, shot them. Millions, millions because of racism, nationalism. So next week... I'm going to talk about it. I heard a few black men using Israel as a justification for voting for Trump explain the importance to Israel. I think I did. Israel is a part of God's plan. It will always be a part of God's plan. It is one issue on the calendar. What I'm trying to communicate is that there are multiple issues. And if you vote for Donald Trump because of Israel, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. If you voted for Donald Trump because you think he's into uh, Christian values, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying that it's wrong to look across the aisle and call and say that Democrats are wrong. I'm saying that is wrong because it's multiple issues on the table. I, the, the illustration that I use is about the two married couples, well, the one married couple. They come in my office. They sit in my office. The wife talk. She got some points. Husband talk. She, he has some points. Wife got some weaknesses. Husband got some weaknesses. But they can't get together because they only see their issue and their point. That's what we're doing in the church. We can only see our issue and our own point, and we point, point the finger at the other group. And I'm saying that is wrong. It is it's judging. It is wrong. If it was one issue on the table, then we can say you either for it or against you. There are multiple issues on the table that have a legitimate Bible Foundation, uh, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Copeland uh, openly proclaimed that Trump would win. The church is divided on the issue. How can the world know what to do? Now, I, I try real hard to not castigate, put down ministers. 
okay? I try not to do that. Uh, Kenneth Copeland is communicating what he believes, and he has a right to do that. He has a right. He has a right to say, I believe that Trump is going to win. He has a right to say, I believe God showed me that Trump is going to win. But other folk also have a right to say, I believe that Joe Biden is going to win. I believe Joe Biden is the right man. All I'm saying is what if Donald Trump was good for one issue, but Joe Biden is good for another issue. We don't know that. And so when we try to push up one and pull another down, and it, in my book, you're going you're gonna to see that I said some things, and I brought Donald Trump in it. I brought the Republican Party in it. Not because I got a problem with Donald Trump. I don't have a problem with Donald Trump. I don't have a problem with the Republican Party. I have a problem when you say, this is the person, and you say, God said this is the person, and this is the party, and you say, God said this is the party. Now, when you bring God in it, and when you make somebody a savior, I'm going to come at you. Because Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Joe Biden ain't the Savior. Donald Trump is not the Savior of the world. So when you start doing that, you got a right to do it. But once we start judging the other people, then I think that is wrong. My best shot at it. But I am certain that we're going to talk about this issue of racism uh, next week because I think that is it's been diminished in the eyes of people. Okay, best shot. <laughs>